As we close up the book of Daniel, uh, or getting ready to close up the book of Daniel, I want to start today by asking you a question. What is it that you fear? Maybe what scares you the most right now is having one of your parents come in when you're with your friends and just embarrass you. There's nothing more terrifying than that, being embarrassed in front of your friends by your parents. Maybe what scares you is the thought of never meeting the one. And you grow old and you're lonely and you end up being that person that has 20 cats and 20 dogs and, and you're that person. And that, the thought of that terrifies you. But maybe you're on the opposite end of that. Maybe what terrifies you is the thought of losing your spouse. The spouse that you've loved and been with for so long the thought of losing that one and having to be uh, in this world without them. Maybe what scares you is the government. You see the, the greed and the corruption that runs deep through all of it, it seems like. And, and it seems that politicians play by a different set of rules than you and I do. And the thought of that scares you. Maybe it's looking at the government and, and seeing that the Christian values that, that the country was based on is, is the government seems to be going away from that, and that scares you, because what does that mean for you and me as Christians? What does it mean for Christianity here in America? Maybe what scares you is the hatred that seems to be running through everybody. Jesus said that the love of most will grow cold, and that seems to be what's happening. There's hatred for race, hatred for gender, hatred towards religion. It's starting to seem like no matter who you are, when you go out in public, you have to keep an eye over your shoulder because you could be targeted for anything. Anyone could be a target. Nobody is safe. And it scares you. Maybe it's living your Christian life. As our country becomes less and less Christian, it's becoming harder and harder to be Christians who stand on the truths of God's word and do it publicly. Because now if you stand on the truths of God's word, you get called a bigot, closed-minded. And it scares you the thought of where this is all going. All of those are legitimate fears. And you know what they all have in common? You have no control over any of them. You have no control whether your parents come in and embarrass you or not. You have no control whether you meet the one or not. You have no control what happens to your spouse. You have no control over the government. You have no control over the hatred that is in other people. You have no control over how people receive Christianity. And it's scary. It's almost like watching a movie. You go to the movie theater and you're watching the movie and it's a scary movie. Uh, and you sit there and you have no control over the plot or anything that's happening on the screen. That's sometimes how we feel about life. Life is unraveling. Life is playing out in front of us. And we seem to have no control over it. And when we have no control, it's scary. 
you've ever experienced that, or if you are experiencing it now, you're going to relate to Daniel chapter 7. Because in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a vision. He has a dream, and it absolutely terrifies him. And all he can do is sit back and watch it unfold. Before we dive into Daniel chapter 7, last week I mentioned that Daniel chapter 6 was the last chapter in Daniel where it's narrative. The stories are now done. Daniel 7 to the end of Daniel is all about Daniel's visions and dreams that he had. And in Daniel chapter 7, we actually go back in time. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, King Darius with the Persians, he's on the throne. Daniel chapter 7, we go back to when the Babylonians are in control. And King Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, is on the throne. He's the king on the throne in Daniel chapter 5, who sees the writing on the wall. That's King Belshazzar. He's on the throne when Daniel has this vision. Here's what we're told in Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was laying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth, it crushed and devoured its victims, and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little horn, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. So just a note here, before we actually dive in, in sections like this in Scripture, and in sections like Revelation and other uh, visions and dreams, it's fun to dig into the interpretation of it. It's fun to dig into what this could all mean. But let's not lose sight of the purpose for which this was written. What is God trying to communicate to Daniel? What's he telling Daniel? That's what we're going to keep in mind as we talk through this. Daniel has this vision. He has this dream. And what's he see? He sees this great sea and the four winds of heaven... Uh, start churning up the sea, and out of it four beasts come. Most likely the, what Daniel is seeing is the great sea being earth, and out of that comes what? Four nations. The first beast was one like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. And to this, uh, a human mind was given to it. It stood up on its feet like a human, and a human mind was given to it. 
Most commentators believe that this is Babylon. It may seem weird to you and me that uh, a lion has wings, uh, but not to Daniel because archaeologists have actually discovered uh, statues of lions with wings outside of the Babylonian palace. This was Babylon, and they were given authority, or they, they were the ruling power at the time. But then what does Daniel see? The next nation comes up, and it's a bear. And that bear had three ribs in its mouth, and it was given, or it was told to, uh, it was told to get up and eat your fill of flesh. And that's exactly what the Persians did. They they conquered and destroyed people. That nation went into the third beast, which was a leopard, and this leopard had four. Uh, four heads. A leopard isn't as strong as a bear or a lion, but it still had uh, the ability to conquer. It had four heads, which is really interesting, but this one is most likely Greece. And after Alexander the Great died, uh, Greece had no one leader. There was no one strong enough to lead the whole nation, so what did they do? They split up the nation into four parts. And then after Greece comes a fourth beast. And that beast was terrifying and frightening, Daniel says. It it, it was very powerful. It had large iron teeth and it crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. And this one was different because this one had ten horns. Daniel was absolutely terrified by this one. What was even more terrifying was what came out of those horns. What seems to transition right out of Rome is one horn that came up and uprooted three of them. And this horn had eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Later on in the chapter, Daniel wants to know about this fourth nation and this horn. And an angel comes and tells him about it in verses 23 through 25. And here's what he says. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are the ten kings who will come from this kingdom. Sounds exactly like Rome. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half time. Out of Rome will come someone or something that will oppress God's holy people, that will stand up and set himself against God and speak blasphemy against the Most High God. And he will oppress God's holy people. This was a vision that Daniel had. And it absolutely terrified him. At the end of the chapter, we hear that his face went pale because he was so afraid. What's God trying to communicate to Daniel? That the, the battle for control is evident and it is terrifying. 
We see these nations pop up, pop up, pop up. And what do they do? They have authority to rule. They, they conquer people. They try to control the world at the expense of people. And they will do whatever it takes to gain that control. And it was absolutely terrifying to Daniel, especially from that, that horn, as it oppresses God's holy people and controls them. The battle for control is evident and it's terrifying. And it's no different than today. We see the same battle going on. As we look at our own government, it's Democrats versus Republicans. And they will, each side will do whatever it takes to gain control. Even in this pandemic, you think that they could come together and work together, but no. They're trying to use it for their own political gain. We see it as nation tries to control nation. We see it as the devil is inspiring and influencing more and more people to try to control and oppress Christians. We see it even within ourselves. As we watch the, the, the story of our life come across the screen, so to speak, and we see the plot unfolding, we try to control it as much as possible, even if it means that we have to climb on other people, climb the ladder over other people, even if it means we have to control them. We try to control every aspect, no matter what, so that our fears don't come true. I was talking with a friend earlier this week, and, and he said that life sometimes feels like a snow globe. It's almost like somebody's taken that snow globe and turned it upside down, and all the snowflakes are, are just flying around, but each snowflake is trying to be the top snowflake, trying to gain control, and will do whatever it takes. And as we see that evident, it's scary. And this is what Daniel's seen. He's seen kind of these nations up in the air, all trying to battle for control. And what's it at the expense of? People. Him. Others, God's people. And so what do we need to do? We need to zoom out. We need to zoom out to see who is the one holding the snow globe. And that's what Daniel sees next in his vision. As I looked, Daniel says, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out uh, from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. Daniel looks and he sees the Ancient of Days take his seat. Who does he see? God the Father. And then he describes what God the Father looks like, what the Ancient of Days look like. Does God actually look like this? No. This is a vision. But we learn something about God from all of this. 
What's God trying to communicate? Well, we hear that he's the ancient of days and that he had hair, the hair of his head was white like wool. What is this communicated about God? His eternal qualities. Unlike these nations that come up and, and go away, God has always been and will always be. He is, he is eternal. He never goes away. We hear that uh, his clothes were as white as snow. This is a, a popular image for purity, holiness, righteousness. It's also uh, the exact same thing is said in Revelation. About 700 years after this was written, Daniel was written, John has a vision, and we call it Revelation. And in there, John sees heaven, and he sees God's people wearing robes that are white. Why? Because it represents holiness, purity. There is no stain of sin on them. And that's what this represents. God is holy, he is perfect, he is righteous. We see that on his throne, uh, it was flaming with fire, and a river of fire flowed from it. Fire is destructive. And the one who is on his throne, the Ancient of Days, who, who doesn't come and go, he's always here, fire, destructive fire, burns for his enemies. We're told that thousands upon thousands attend him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. God's army is more vast than any military army in this world. And then finally, the court was seated and the books were opened. Just like any uh, court, there's evidence and God's book is the evidence. And what does this tell us? God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere and he's omniscient. He knows everything. Every evil thought, every evil deed, every evil thing said is recorded in his book and no one's going to escape. This is the one who is on the throne. The Ancient of Days. And do you remember that horn that spoke boastfully and blasphemy against God? Here's what Daniel sees. He watched and the horn was destroyed. The beast was slain and its body was thrown into the blazing fire. You see, God is in complete control. It seems like these nations were, were having control to Daniel, that, that these were out of control, out of God's hands, but they're not. In fact, here's what Psalm 2 says. Uh, King David wrote this. And here's what he says about the, the nations conspiring against God. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. The peoples of this world, the nations, the government, politicians, they may laugh and scoff at God. They may seem like they have control, 
But God just laughs. He laughs at them. Because the Ancient of Days is on His throne. But that can be a little scary for you and me, can't it? Think of this description of God. Imagine standing before that. Imagine standing before the throne that is all in fire and a river of fire flowing out from it. Imagine God opening His book in court and everything you've said, everything you've done, is recorded in it. It's terrifying. But in this moment, Daniel's vision brings comfort. Here's, what, uh, here's how his vision ends. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. <clears throat> he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Daniel sees somebody like a son of man. Who does he see? Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He comes with the clouds and he approaches the Ancient of Days. And what does the Ancient of Days do? He gives Jesus, the Son of Man, uh, all authority, all glory, and sovereign power. All nations submit to him. The one who holds a snow globe in his hands, who is he? He's Jesus. The one who loves you so much that he conquered sin and death for you. Even though it meant he had to die. He's the one who loves you so incredibly much that, that he rose from the dead conquering death and now he's sitting on his throne in heaven ruling all things for the good of his church Jesus the one who forgives your sins the one who's blot out all your sins from the book he's the one on the throne he's the one who has all authority he's the one who has all power it's Jesus 40 days after Easter the Christian church celebrates what's known as Ascension Day it's what happened in, in Acts chapter 1 that we read earlier in the service. On Ascension Day, Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 is fulfilled. Jesus ascends up into the clouds and he approaches the Ancient of Days and God gives him the throne. And from that day on, Jesus has been ruling for the good of his church, for your good. He is in control of everything. But if he's in control, why do bad things still happen? Well, just because he's in control doesn't mean that bad things won't happen because what does he allow us to be? People. And people have free will. And some people will use that free will for evil, and that's what we see in the world. But as people use that free will for evil, it's not out of God's control. He doesn't condone it, but he allows it to happen. And so what does that mean for you and me? It means that 
God is in control. And when bad things do happen, he makes us promises. He promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. He promises that all things he will work out for the good of those who love him. And he promises that in the end, we win. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom that will never end. Your king, who has control over all things, promises you that. As your life seems to be out of control, as the world and the country seems to be out of control, as the evil seems to be winning, know that it's not. Your Savior Jesus is on the throne and He still wins. He still has control over it all. And so what is it that you fear? And are you fearing that because you really have no control over it? If so, give the control over to Jesus. Instead of trying everything you can to control that fear, give it to Jesus. Give it to King Jesus and say, you take control. Because the more control that Jesus has, the more trust that we have that he has control, the more peace we have in our life. And so this week, as fears come, as fears pop up, as, as you daydream about the future and you wonder what's coming and you're scared, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Number one, acknowledge that fear. I'm scared, and here's why. Number two, validate that fear. It makes sense I feel this way because look at this situation. But then number three, align those fears with God's word. And what does God's word tell us? Our King Jesus, the one who loved us, the one who died for us, the one who rose for us, he is on his throne and he has control over everything. And one day all of this will end when he brings us to heaven and all of our enemies, all of his enemies, will be destroyed. And so this week, give those fears over to Jesus and let him rule because he has control. Let's close with a prayer asking for that very thing. King Jesus, we thank you that you have control over everything. Uh, life feels out of control at times. Uh, as we look at the world, it seems like evil is winning more and more. And so how refreshing it is to hear from your word uh, that you still have control. You are still on the throne. Daniel too felt that way. He felt, uh, as he saw this vision, he felt that the nations had control. But what a great reminder that you actually have all power, all glory, and all authority. We thank you for ruling our lives for our good. We ask that uh, this week that we give over our fears to you, that you take control over them, and, and that in its place you fill us with peace, knowing that our King is on his throne, ruling all things for our good that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us, and that you promise one day you will bring us to your eternal kingdom where we will live in, in holiness and righteousness forever. Be with us this day and always as we trust that. We ask all this in your name, and it's in your name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.